Football Fantasy, Jeff Power, Senior Writer for Real-Time Fantasy Sports, and thanks for listening to another edition of the Real-Time Fantasy Sports Podcast. On today's podcast, I'm going to be joined by Curtis Guzman of Real-Time Fantasy Sports. He's a co-worker of mine, and he's going to help you get ready for Week 9 of the fantasy football season. We're going to talk about the trades that went down this week and give you our hot, cold sleeper plays and some waiver wire options for the coming week. But before I get to that interview with Curtis, I did want to tell you that if you want to get into a different fantasy football game, maybe you're struggling in your leagues, or you want to get in another, another league right now, sign up for one of our fantasy football face-off contests. Just go to rtsports.com, click on the football link at the top of the page, click on Money Leagues, and get into a fantasy football face-off league today. The face-off leagues are an eight-team eight team tournament. There's no draft. You can get any players you want on your team, and the winners advance each week until there's a champion. We have different price points. You can get in a $20 league, a $50 league, or a $100 league. It's a great opportunity to play some more fantasy football before the season is over. Again, go to rtsports.com, click on the football link at the top of the page, and then click on the money link on that page, money leagues link on that page, and get into a fantasy football face-off league today. And now here's my interview with Curtis Guzman of Real-Time Fantasy Sports. And I'm joined now by Curtis Guzman of Real-Time Fantasy Sports. Once again, Curtis has been on the show several times. I'm thrilled to have him back on again. We're going to help you get ready for Week 9, and we're going to talk about all these trades that went down the past couple weeks in the NFL. Curtis, thanks so much for joining me again today. Of course. Glad to be here, Jeff. So, Curtis, I just want to jump into these trades. Just talk about maybe the fantasy fantasy implications of these guys getting traded and what it means to their value and maybe some players around them. So first one, Amari Cooper, he gets sent to the Cowboys for a first-round pick. I know a lot of people are kind of giving the Cowboys a hard time for giving up so much, especially with what teams gave up. For other receivers got traded uh, a couple days ago, but overall, what did you think of this trade for Cooper's fantasy value heading to the Cowboys? Uh it's tough. I mean, Cooper kind of come, you know, coming from the Raiders where they kind of have a pass first mentality versus Cowboys typically run first. Uh, I think Cooper, you know, clearly will probably work his way up into the being the number one receiver for Dallas, but I just, I question how much volume he'll get overall. So I don't know. I don't know that it's significant one way or the other, to be honest. Um, I'd say the good news for Cooper owners is the uh, Cowboys are facing some high-powered offenses over the next couple of weeks. You know, you got the Eagles, Falcons, Redskins, Saints all coming up, so that can help him out and get him a little more value than he might normally get in that offense. But I just don't know personally if I see a significant shift in that. And as far as Cooper goes, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. My feeling is I just I don't think it can hurt him. I mean, he's going to move to a, he's his. Issues in consistency. Now he's going to move to an offense where he's a clear number one. He has very little competition for targets outside of maybe Cole Beasley and Swain at tight end. But, I mean, overall, I don't think it can hurt Cooper, and I think it could help his value just a little. I just wouldn't set my expectations too high for him. Could have some big games in this offense. But like you said, it still is a run-first offense. I'll show, although they have shown a little better throwing the ball uh, the last couple weeks, which is encouraging. So that's encouraging to me. So moving on to the next trade, Curtis, how about Carlos Hyde? He gets dealt to Jacksonville. He's more of an insurance policy for Fournette. He just can't seem to stay healthy. Uh, what do you see from Hyde going forward? Kind of along the same lines. I mean, I don't know that I would have, 
you know, high expectations. I don't know that this is a, a big benefit for him. You know, he was getting decent work in Cleveland. He was a number one back, but you don't see that being the case when Fournette returns. Um, you know, and kind of the expectation, it seems like, is that uh, Fournette could return after the bye week for Jacksonville. So if that's true, I think that they ease Fournette back into action and Hyde will still get a decent share of looks. But you're dealing with, you know, Fournette, Hyde, and you still got T.J. Yeldon there. So you got a three-headed backfield. Um, in general, probably just a fantasy situation I want to avoid. I don't know that I trust him getting significant value. You know, he's probably a low in flex play for most weeks, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah Hyde, this definitely hurts his value overall, in my view. I, I wasn't very impressed with him when he was with Cleveland anyway. He wasn't averaging many yards per carry. He hadn't shown me a whole lot outside scoring touchdowns. That's what's helped his fantasy value. Now he heads to Jacksonville. He'll probably get the early down work with T.J. Yeldon getting more of the pass-catching situations. I actually have been fairly impressed with Yeldon, and I would have been happier with her, him just getting – uh, all the work in Jacksonville until Fournette was healthy with, like you said, he's, it's looking like he'll come back after their bye week. So uh, Hyde won't be in there too much longer. I just don't see him this being a big benefit for his fantasy value. Another big trade, Curtis, Golden Tate heads to the Eagles. This might be the most high-profile player traded outside of Cooper. Or, I mean, I guess for fantasy value, Tate probably is higher value than Cooper at this point. So he's probably the most value fantasy player switching teams with all these deadline moves heads to Philadelphia. How do you think this impacts him the rest of the way? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, you know, we're talking about Cooper and high, we don't really see um, significant improvement on their sides, but I think Tate could, could see a little bump. Um, you know, Eagles are off to a little bit of a lackluster start, you know, just four and four, but um, not really through any fault of Carson Wentz. He's looking pretty good, starting to improve. He has a completion percentage of over 70, uh, 13 to 2 touchdown interception ratio. So I think, you know, Tate kind of being the possession receiver he is, he could definitely uh, benefit as he gets acclimated to the offense and the team. Um, I, I think it, you know, I don't know as to how much volume he gets because now he is competing for targets with Alshon Jeffrey, but um, it's it's a more high-volume offense in general, so I think this could benefit him um, at least a little bit in terms of fantasy value. Yeah, it could help his touchdown potential a little bit. I think it's kind of a lateral move from him. I could see his uh, reception totals going down a tad, but I think his touchdown totals could improve a little bit. Like you said, this offense is better than Detroit, but Detroit probably throws the ball a little more overall, so there he goes. There goes his reception totals down just a little bit, but overall I think this is a fairly lateral move. I think the only thing you have to kind of worry about is just getting up to speed in the offense. Could take him a week or two. You know, he's a receiver, has to learn the playbook, learn the route tree, get on the same page with Wentz, so that's my only concern for him maybe in the short term, but overall I think this is a pretty lateral move. I wouldn't be would get too high or get too low with this trade. I think it's going to be more of the same from Kate going forward. So another receiver changes teams, Curtis. Demarius Thomas, he heads to Houston. He's going to hopefully fill in, at least that's what the Texans are hoping, hopefully fill in for Will Fuller, who went down with a torn ACL this past week. How do you think Demarius is going to do in Houston? I think he'll do all right. I mean, he's a different player than Wolf Fuller. Wolf Fuller was a, obviously a very fast player who kind of blow the top off of defenses on a lot of vertical routes. Um, Thomas, you know, probably a little past his prime now, not as quick. Um, 
not as dangerous of a vertical threat, but it's still, again, it, it's probably around the same from Denver, maybe a slight uptick, um, just because he's see, seeing uh, single coverages. You know, obviously they have DeAndre Hopkins. He's going to be the number one receiver, but, um, you know, that bodes well for Thomas. Uh, I think Deshaun Watson's uh, and Bill O'Brien are in general a little more aggressive than Denver's offense, so I think that'll be, um, that'll help. Uh, Demarius in that case, and hopefully, you know, again, see maybe an uptick in touchdowns as well. So I didn't want to gloss over this, and I, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Kenny Galladay, though, with Detroit and that Golden Tate trade. I definitely wanted to mention that he's the guy who probably benefits the most uh, in that trade. He's going to start now for Detroit, and I, I expect big things out of him going forward, and I'm very excited for him to get a chance to start and get more targets in that pass-first offense. Sorry, I wanted to make sure I mentioned that. But as for Thomas, like you, I think it's a pretty, again, kind of like the Tate move, kind of a lateral move, in my opinion, for fantasy value. I mean, Thomas hasn't shown a lot to me this season. He's top 65 yards just once all year. He's getting his catches, but he's not really making many big plays in that offense. He, To me, it looks like he's slowing down a little bit. I hate to say this. Uh, for him, he's been a great player over the years. But it looks like he might be. Finally slowing down a little bit, been a great receiver, but this move to Houston is probably going to be more the same. I mean, he could get four to five, maybe six catches per week and get in that 60-yard range. Again, not not too exciting for me. I, I still think that he's going to be a similar player to what he was in Denver. I don't think this move is going to really rejuvenate him. So, Curtis, last trade I wanted to mention to you was Ty Montgomery. He's heading to Baltimore uh, to provide some running back depth to that team. He had the big miscue on the kickoff return last week for Green Bay, which, you know, had him fall out of favor with a lot of his teammates and a lot of the Green Bay fans, so it's probably a good thing that he was traded uh, for his for his own sake. So he heads to Baltimore. How do you think he's going to do in uh, Baltimore the rest of the way? Uh, I don't really see much improvement. I mean, he's going in. It sounds like he'll be um, – slotted in as a running back, but, you know, still third string behind Alex Collins and, and Javoris Allen. So um, Baltimore, you know, does show a tendency to try to be a little more creative with how they use some of their players. You know, I kind of like Lamar Jackson, so maybe that helps Montgomery if he can see some time at receiver, but also to learn multiple positions if you were just traded, you know, picking up a new offense late in the season. I just don't know what to expect really from him uh, at this point. I don't think there's really a lot of fantasy value there overall. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, he really hadn't had much fantasy value in the last couple of weeks anyway. He's had just four receptions his last three games, and he, he hasn't run for more than 20 yards except for once all year. So he hasn't been getting much work to begin with. Like you said, he'll head to Baltimore, probably be number three on the depth chart there. If they could use him as a third down back, maybe even use him in the slot on occasion, maybe just get – give the offense uh, a different look in Baltimore. But overall, I just don't see him getting a whole lot of work and being very fantasy relevant. I actually think this trade probably hurts Buck Allen more than anything because now Montgomery might cut into his playing time, get a, look, get a few chances in the passing game, taking away from Allen, who's been fairly productive. So overall, this trade probably muddles the situation in Baltimore even more in the running back spot. So it's a little bit of a concern for me. So, Let's talk about the waiver wire for Week 9, Curtis. You got any guys out there in the waiver wire you think fantasy teams should consider for Week 9? 
yeah, uh, two guys for me that kind of stand out. Um, first, Miami wide receiver Danny Amendola. Uh, he has a matchup this week against the New York Jets. Um, Jets, not very good against wide receivers. They rank in the top third as far as most points allowed. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty good matchup. You know, you have a fellow wide receivers, Albert Wilson, who's on IR, Kenny Stills, questionable, what didn't practice yesterday. So he seems to be kind of turning into doubtful, even if he does play, you know, could be limited. Um, everyone's jumping on the Devontae Parker bandwagon, it seems, and, and rightfully so. He had, a, he had a really big performance last week, but Amdol has been, you know, consistent all, all season. He's averaging double digit fantasy points and he's only owned in 40% of our league so far. So, um, while Parker's probably more of the big play threat, I think Amendola, if you're looking for just kind of a consistent, you know, nice flex option, I think he could be a nice waiver add. And then another guy who just returned from injury last week, uh, Indianapolis tight end Jack Doyle. Um, over the between last year and this year, when healthy Jack Doyle's been one of Andrew Luck's favorite targets. Um, he didn't disappoint with his return last week. Six catches, 70 yards, and a touchdown. So um, just seeing what Eric Ebron did over the past couple of weeks in Doyle's absence, um, you know, he's a top five receiver right now. I think Doyle jumps Ebron, and we'll probably see more of those targets. There's probably room for both of them, to be honest, in this offense. They like to use multiple tight end sets, but I think Doyle becomes a lot more significant, and, and he's probably the tight end that I want to own in, uh, for Indianapolis. Yeah, I was kind of surprised to see uh, Doyle available in so many leagues. I mean, he's been a very very good producer in an offense. I guess just a lot of owners got scared off with Ebron playing so well, but I, I like uh, adding Doyle this week, and I would go grab him if he had a tight end. That's a good choice. So, uh, for me, a couple guys I like, I like Case Keenum in Denver. I know he's not very exciting. Denver fans might not be that happy with him. But from a fantasy perspective, he's been all right. He's got he's top 20 fantasy points uh, three times in the last four games. Last week looked very good, 23 of 34 for 262 yards and two touchdowns. He's produced some big games this year, and I think he's a good streaming option. He's got a lot of teams on a bye this week, so I would consider using Keenum if you need a QB. He also has three 300-yard games and multiple scores four games. So the production's been there from a fantasy perspective, and I would consider using him if you need a QB. Another guy I like, uh, Josh Adams with Philadelphia. Eagles did not make a trade at the deadline uh, for a running back, so that leaves Smallwood, Clement, and Adams to get most of the work. And Adams has been the most impressive recently. The undrafted rookies look pretty good to me. Ran nine times for 61 yards the last time out. I think he's going to keep getting more chances, and somebody could emerge as the lead back in that offense, and it could be Adam. So I think he's definitely a, a good speculative ad for fantasy teams. Not sure I've thrown him in my lineup just yet, but I like to go grab and put him on my bench, see if he emerges. So that's a guy I would consider getting this week on your waiver wire. So let's go into the hot, cold, and sleeper plays for the week. Curtis, who do you have on your hot list? Uh, give me some players you think, think are going to do well. Yeah, um, first off, Another tight end, um, Tampa Bay tight end O.J. Howard at Carolina. Of course, uh, the Ryan Fitzpatrick will return as a starter, so he got the Fitz magic going. He's showing a lot of good chemistry with Howard, tends to favor O.J. Howard over fellow tight end Cameron Bray. Uh, Panthers are currently worst in the league. They allow the most fantasy points to opposing tight ends, so... I think that's a great matchup for O.J. Howard. Uh, he's, he's already having a pretty good season. He's currently ranked seventh among tight ends, averaging near 
14 fantasy points a game. So I like him. And then I also like Tennessee running back Deion Lewis against Dallas. Um, Dallas actually does pretty good. They have the seventh best rushing defense. Um, but I think in terms of that, it translates more more work for Deion Lewis and less work for Derrick Henry because Deion Lewis is obviously more of a threat in the receiving game. He averages nearly 70 yard uh, scrimmage yards. And it's going off a nice performance against the Chargers uh, two weeks ago. So um, a lot of teams on a bye week, you have, you know, running backs Joe Mixon, Saquon Bar- Barkley, David Johnson, uh, all out. So, um, you know, if you're kind of muddling around trying to figure something out, Dan Lewis could definitely slide in as a solid flex or, you know, running back two option. Yeah, six teams on a bye this week. going to be tough for some fancy owners to Submit a great lineup. It's going to be a rough week maybe for some. And I, I like that Howard call. I actually have him second in my tight end rankings this week. I look for him to do well. I'm going to stay on the tight end bandwagon, Curtis. Uh, I got Greg Olson's one of my hot plays this week. Finally a healthy. He has touchdowns two straight games. He had a season high in yards last week, caught four passes for 56 yards. He has 10 receptions his first three games back from his foot injury. Plays the Bucks, who've just been brutal defensively. They're 31st overall against the pass. So I look for Olsen to stay hot and have another good game in Week 9. Another hot play for you. Adrian Peterson really surprised me. Really looks like the Peterson of old. Just I've been shocked by his play this year. He had a season high 149 rushing yards last week. He has topped 95 rushing yards five of seven games. I know he's not getting the catches, but as long as he keeps putting up those rushing totals and getting some touchdowns, I like him as a you know low end number one or a top number two back for fantasy teams. Look for him to do well again this week against Atlanta. Atlanta is 20th overall against the run, and they allow the second most fantasy points to running back. So I think Peterson set up for another big showing. Guys, turn back the clock this year, looking good, going out uh, on a high note for a Washington team that's actually playing pretty well right now. So on the flip side, Curtis, how about some cold plays? Anybody you want to avoid this week? Yeah, I mean, I brought him up earlier as um, someone who will overall probably see um, bigger, you know, receiving load as wide receiver Kenny Galladay for the Detroit Lions. I like him overall for the rest of the season, being the number two option on the team. But uh, we tried cautiously this week. Um, They're facing Minnesota on the road. Minnesota lost the third fewest points to fantasy receivers. So, um in the past three games, he's only seen 11 total receptions. Again, I know that Golden Tate's gone now, and that should definitely improve. But um, just concerned, you know, I expect the Galladay to be more uh, – have more targets, you know, from the beginning of the season on, and I haven't seen that. So I don't know if it's part of Lions, you know, starting to get the ground game going and having receiving threats, which is carrying on Johnson in the backfield. But at least with this week, I don't know that I would – Trust Galladay yet. And then another guy, Bears running back, Terry Cohen against Buffalo. And going to use a little bit of backwards logic here. Um, the Bills tend to not be very strong against opposing running backs, but just given how bad Buffalo's been this season and how the potential game flow can go, um, you know, if the Bears jump out to a lead early, then they could definitely see, could definitely see them running the ball more. And that's where Jordan Howard comes in. Jordan Howard's uh, continuing to see more snaps than Cohen all on offense. You know, going forward, I like Cohen more out of the two running backs, but in this particular game, I think if the Bears get up early, again, Howard's, you know, he, he sees more red zone opportunities and just more carries overall. So those are two kind of players I might avoid this week. 
I like that call about the Bears uh, running back situation for, for that week. I think a lot of people sometimes overlook that. But game flow definitely dictates fantasy production, and I think that's an interesting take, and it's something fantasy owners should note this week in Chicago. For me, a couple cold plays. Philip Rivers, he's been super consistent this year. He has multiple touchdowns every game. He hasn't been off the charts, charts though, in his production, so he does have some mediocre weeks. He can be down, so... For me, I, I might sit him this week if you have better options. He plays at Seattle. This is a defense that's been very good about getting against the pass, which has surprised many because I know a lot of people thought their pass defensive was going to slip. But Seattle actually allows the fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks. They're fourth overall against the pass. So I think Rivers might have a mediocre, too poor showing in this one. So if you have better options, I might go with them. I know six teams are on a bye. But even with that said, uh, if you have somebody that you would – consider playing over Rivers, I would go for it in week nine. Another cold play for me, LaShawn McCoy with Buffalo. I know McCoy hasn't been great, but a lot of people are kind of high on McCoy this week after he had six catches for 82 yards. That was a big plus for him. But overall, he's gotten very few chances in the passing game, which has hurt his fantasy production to date. And he had 12 carries last week, which actually was his third highest total of the season. But guess what? Ran for just 13 yards. He was outplayed by Chris Ivory as a backup. He produced better numbers on the ground. I just don't like McCoy at all this week. Play Chicago, like you mentioned, with uh, Tariq Cohen. They're going up against each other. And Chicago allows the third fewest fantasy points to running back. So I would just avoid McCoy right now. I wouldn't get too high on him because of his reception totals last week. Don't don't buy into the McCoy hype just yet. So I want to talk about the last thing. Uh, Curtis, for week nine, give us our sleepers. you got a couple sleepers for us. Sure. First one, uh got Carolina wide receiver Devin Funches. Uh, you had mentioned Greg Olson earlier as a hot play. I like Devin Funches for, for similar reasons. Um, he's been a little inconsistent, but he remains in a solid, you know, wide receiver number three flex discussion for the season. He's averaging nearly 13 points a contest. Uh, Buccaneers have allowed the second most fantasy points to wide receivers this season. And then, again, just talking about game flow, if, if Ryan Fitzpatrick and that Tampa Bay offense can get going like they were very early in the season, you know, maybe this is a shootout and that benefits Funches. You know, he's the best vertical threat the Panthers have. So um could be someone he spotted in as a flex play. And someone else, uh, Los Angeles Chargers running back, Austin Eckler, uh, we talked about, you know, I totally agree with your cold play call with Philip Rivers. Um, I'm a little concerned about that. Uh, Seattle's has a great pass defense for, you know, hurts the receivers, but I think it could benefit Eckler in this case, you know. Um, Rivers could be looking to check down early in Austin Eckler and uh, running back Melvin Gordon uh, missed his last missed the last game and he's been limited so far in practice this week. So if Gordon's at all you know limited or doesn't play, Eckler's obviously in line to see a majority share of the carries for the Chargers offense. So I like Duke Johnson as a sleeper this week. They have a new offensive coordinator, new head coach. I think that's going to be a positive for Johnson. He's been underutilized this year. This guy's one of the best pass-catching backs in the game, but he has three games this year. Uh, I mean, he, he just hasn't done much for most of the year. He does have three games this year with four receptions, though, so that's encouraging. I think he'll be more involved in the offense. It only makes sense for the Browns to get this guy more touches. So I think he will this week, especially in the game against Kansas City. Could be a high-scoring game, could which could mean that the Browns are playing from behind, trying to catch up with the Chiefs, and that means Johnson could be on the field more in passing situations, so I like that. Also, Kansas City allows the most fantasy points to running back. So 
I know it's hard to play Jonathan because he hasn't done much, but again, six teams on a bye. I would consider him as a flex play for week nine. Another sleeper for me is Josh Doxson with uh, Washington. He had a season-high five receptions for 49 yards last week. He has at least three receptions, three straight games. He's been getting more looks. He plays the Falcons. They allow the third most fantasy points to receivers, and they rank 30th overall against the pass. So I think that's encouraging for Doxson. I think he'll do well this week. He's finally emerging a little bit in that offense. Curtis? Good stuff. Uh, good luck in all your games week nine. Appreciate you coming on with me once again on the podcast. Uh, no problem. Good luck to you as well, and I'll do it again soon. And that was my interview with Curtis Guzman of Real Time Fantasy Sports. I want to thank Curtis for doing a great job on the podcast once again, and I want to thank you all for listening to the Real Time Fantasy Sports podcast. Good luck in week nine. This has been Jeff Power for Real Time Fantasy Sports. Have a great day, everyone.